हेलो गाइस वेलकम टू अपग्रेड विद नकुल अगर एप्पल हर 11 महीने में अपने फोन अपग्रेड कर सकता है तो हम हर हफ्ते अपग्रेड क्यों नहीं हो सकते द पॉइंट ऑफ द शो इज वी मीट इंटरेस्टिंग पीपल दे गिव अस देयर प्रोडक्टिविटी हैक्स द टेक्नोलॉजी दे यूज और हम होंगे अपग्रेड उनके साथ हाय गाइस वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ अपग्रेड विद नकुल एंड आई हैव अ वेरी स्पेशल गेस्ट टुडे It's Chef Suveer, who's a Michelin star chef. Suveer, welcome. Thank you for having me, Nakul. So, to kick things off, I was so excited to hear that you are launching your own uh, restaurant in Gurgaon. Uh, I am also from Gurgaon, so I was really looking forward to. And then this COVID happened. So, what are your plans now? uh plans are on hold while the landlords and the uh, uh city uh, government and the uh, government in general of the nation wake up and realize that the hospitality industry as we know it is in a flux operators and restaurateurs and uh, employees and owners all are in a very tough spot and we must have some intervention governmental from landlords if we want our restaurant industry to survive otherwise who knows what's up in the air it's all up in the air we don't know what will happen i'm hoping that all of this gets resolved and we can um, open back up in the next month or month and a half and have the house of celeste running again and feeding people and uh, hopefully giving them memorable bites that they can savor and enjoy over a long why not that's good okay um, you are a michelin star chef what does that mean to you it means to me that there's a stamp somewhere on my person that i can't see and a mirror doesn't show but uh, it tells me that it's like you know the emperor with no clothes i could be nothing but a, a khokla michelin chef so it means something and it means nothing it means that a certain uh, body of reviewers uh, thought my cuisine worthy enough of getting that very sought after recognition but it also means nothing because you only as good as the last meal you serve so beyond the stars beyond the recognition you have to be a happy human being a comfortable person in your own skin and a decent human being that when you are 70 80 60 and you look at the mirror the mirror doesn't show you a monster but shows you a human being that you respect and admire and say you know i like that guy the others are uh, you know labels that can come and go and be taken away as easily as they are given to you but uh, they are a recognition and a recognition of you having done something right does it define you entirely not at all but yes they do help you get to new uh, uh, benchmarks in your life's journey a little easier because you have it but this is you talking 13 years after uh, when it happened in 2007 am i right yes uh did did it change you at that time and then maybe you matured now and it doesn't affect you that much but what was your feeling at that time when you got it like many other michelin star chefs the feeling was that oh my god now i have to commit suicide when they take it away and uh, so you know you you you're, you're excited you are grateful and you carry on uh, for me it was i had to work harder because i could only go one direction after that which is down so to be on my a game i had to work triply as hard and with more passion and more commitment and sweat and persevere and keep going at it because i knew i had to uh, remain relevant to myself so you studied in delhi 
and then you did your college from Bombay, and then you went to New York, right? I, and then you did odd jobs, and then you started your restaurant in New York. Why did you choose Indian food to portray? Why, why, why couldn't you do anything else? Indian food chose me. I, I believe not me choosing it. I, I tell people I wasn't born to wash dishes and chop vegetables and uh, stand in front of a stove for hours and. I literally killed my shoulders cooking every day. Um, but there was a niche, a whole uh, glaring gap in the cuisines of the world where Indian food uh, looked terrible and still does look rather abysmal. We are uh, a huge chunk of the world's population, but our food is considered one of the least uh, gourmet in the world of gourmet f- cuisines. And uh, unfortunately, we as a people of a great nation called India have done very little to share uh, the length and breadth, the uh, uh, vast culinary variety of our cuisine with people in the right way. What we've shown until uh, uh, this moment is a a very uh, monolithic, boring uh, uh, face of a cuisine that's not even our a main cuisine, the food we share with people, butter chicken, dal makhani, paneer makhani, uh, these are tandoori chicken, these are not even the cuisines of India that were important to Indians themselves. This came up only after India gained independence and there were uh, people traveling from one part or the other, somebody cooked a mediocre meal that suited their uh, needs and okay, it was uh, easy enough and money was made and the cuisine came and uh, grew out of it. So that's the reason a lot of the world of gourmand eaters, diners, thinks of Indian food as being cheap and cheery. That it fills your tummy, gives you greasy food, and you're comfortable uh, at night when you eat it. The next morning you smell bad, and you have uh, indigestion, and you feel bloated. And that's not what good food does. Our home cooking, our uh, regional gems of India from uh, the south, the uh, north, the east, the west, central India, Wherever you go, from mountain to sea, our food is so varied, so yummy, so delicious, so seasonal, so regionally inspired, so sustainably sourced, so uh, healthfully uh, uh, curated that our home chefs and the Maharajas and the Khansamas of India have for generations and eons served the best meals that people could have found anywhere in the world, but we don't find them in Indian restaurants. So uh, that was missing when I came of age. And I was ashamed to see people uh, berate my people and their food. And so I started cooking the foods of the Indian home. And next thing I knew, people were saying, there's this young kid in New York who cooks some of the best food in New York City, not just Indian. I didn't choose the path. The path came my way. No, it, it happens to best of people that the passion chooses them and not the other way. Other way. So... But thanks to cooking, uh, I can talk to you now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, Suveer, uh, tell me something about your childhood. What What were your inspiration growing up? Uh, you are a typical Delhi boy. And then uh, how did you get into cooking? You know, I grew up in a um, very average middle class home of Delhi uh, in South Extension, went to school, to modern school, Vasant Vihar. They encouraged free thinking and taught us kids to be citizens of a new young nation that would be relevant tomorrow because our thoughts were as 
pluralistic and varied as the people of India. So that was the education I was given at a young age. And as a, a young kid who knew he was different from other boys of his age, I found in the kitchen a safe haven where I could live, breathe, think, and uh, be myself without anybody judging me. And so uh, when other kids may have been playing tennis or cricket or football, I would go into the kitchen and be with Pandiji, our family's cook. And I would go to Pandiji and say, kya kar rahe? And he would show me what he was up to. The food was the magnet that brought me into the kitchen. And uh, Pandiji would uh, cook for the family, cook for the deity that my daddy would do puja to. And then the food would be taken to the chat, the roof where... Uh, uh, the birds would eat it and I would tell Dadi, Tup and she would tell me the birds are eating it but they take it to the god and uh, so I realized at a young age that food was also divine that it had a connection to the divine and I understood the diktat that says you are what you eat so you had to be cooking mindfully cooking with respect cooking with uh, a nod to tradition so all of this was part of the conversations that happened in our home kitchen, at our dining table, and in our school. It was an India that was young. It was an India that still had hopes, dreams, and aspirations, and grand leaders with big uh, thoughts and vision that taught us to think beyond our comfort zone. So those were the people and uh, times that shaped me as a young kid growing up in India, and I'm grateful for that. But you still do not take up uh, you know, cooking as a as a as a serious pursuit, but still as a hobby, right? I could did it almost every day. I would watch Pandiji help him. The earliest memories, Nakul, that anyone has of me are memories of me either cooking with them, asking them for a recipe, or teaching an aunt who was uh, twenty years plus older than me how to roll a chapati or how to do something but i would say do no no don't do it this way i've learned panditji do it this way so let me show it to you food uh, gave me some semblance of comfort in life and knowing that i was i also had a place in this world but then how did you get into food if you didn't have any formal training you don't need uh, of course you need training in everything you do in life but some of us are suckers gluttons for punishment so we do it the hard way. We go to the University of Fort Knox where life punches you and beats you and you learn the hard way. Others have the good luck of going to university and learning through textbooks. Is, there a one, is one better than the other? Uh, you know, we could talk hours about the pros and cons, but um, uh, it may be harder to do something without a professional training in it. But there are some who think that those who do it without professional training come to it with more passion and commitment. So in the end, who knows who's better off? But I can tell you that for years, I chaired the Asian Studies Center at the Culinary Institute of America. And it's the world's largest, most well-respected and incredible school of learning and education in the culinary arts. And I bow to the teachers that teach there. I uh, respect them incredibly. And I uh, find the kids who go there most fortunate and lucky. And I consider it an honor to be teaching there, speaking there, and inspiring students there. And I tell young kids coming of age that uh, travel, go to school, uh, eat hungrily, work with a master of cuisine that you respect, whose food makes you get thuk in your mouth, makes your mouth water. 
and uh, work with them. And that's the best training and knowledge you can give yourself. And most of all, first be a student before you can think that you arrived. A chef means a chief. But in life, a chef has to first be a foot soldier, uh, working hard, sweating, going hungry some days, uh, being restless, but uh, in the pursuit of perfection, uh, losing sleep because you, there's something telling you I have to fix that one mistake that I made till I when you do it correctly, you don't go to bed. You have to have that fire in your belly to do things correctly and uh, near perfect perfectly. And if you have that, you're a student. And a good chef is not just a chef. He's a student of cuisine forever. Because the day you think you know it all is the last day you should be cooking. The best students are those who are never uh, anything but hungry students. So a very tangent question. When you set up House of Celeste, right? How did you choose your chef? Uh, how? What is the process? If I want to become a chef at your restaurant, what is the process? So the for my restaurants, and I've done this wherever I've uh, opened restaurants in New York and when I've helped others find chefs around the U.S. when I consulted, I never look for degrees. I never look for uh, recommendations. I look at a human being and ask them life questions. I uh, present challenges to them. I uh, go take them to places when I know there'll be adversity and a challenge and uh, discomfort and pain and agony and all kinds of negative things that will happen. And I watch this chef or person I'm interviewing uh, to see what their body language is, what their reactions are, how they handle a situation on their feet, uh, how they tackle adversity, how they uh, deal with uh, pain, how they uh, uh, connect with people when there's uh, uh, friction, and if that can all be uh, uh, shown to me with a positive inflection, then the professional training as a chef I can do. I can teach people how to cook. I can't teach them how to be good human beings or how to be forgiving and how to be generous, how to be kind, how to be graceful, how to be elegant, how to be respectful. Those are values we've learned in our life. Sometimes, how, they, do you, how, do you, how do you judge that in an interview? I don't. I, I I see them in, as I said, I take them to settings where uh, if I've been told he's a good chef, I'll take them with me to a crowded marketplace, a restaurant that's terribly uh, bad with service and faltering with the food, maybe suspicious and not all dishes are good. And I, I, I watch their body language. I see what they're doing. I see how they're eating. I see what they're saying about the food of another chef, how they're treating a server in a restaurant. Are they being kind to a, a person sitting next to them? Are they uh, respectful of strangers? Are they decent around the elderly? Do look at women uh, as predators? So, you know, all, I, I study people's psyche more than I study their resume. And uh, when I was choosing my chef at the House of Celeste, I had no idea I'll be picking up a, a chef when I was dining at a restaurant called Rue. I arrived at Rue and the food was Mostly good, but it had, like in any restaurant, my own. There are off days and on days. There can be times where we just make a, a simple mistake. And there were a, a several beautiful dishes, several far from beautiful dishes. And the chef came out and this chef's name was Vardhan Marwa. And Vardhan, I called him and I said, what did you just send me? And he told me what he did. I said, have you seen it? And I 
showed him what it was and I said, aren't you ashamed of yourself that you're sending this out? And he said, I'm so sorry. And he understood what had gone wrong. And he said, allow me a few minutes and let me go make one more. And he made one more and it was a little better, but only a hair better. And I said to him, are you proud of this? He said, no, chef, but I know this is a little better. But And then he told me that the chef had, chef, you know, this is the problem when you have absentee chefs that live in another country and cook in another continent, uh, have their name in a menu on another continent. There's a disconnect between the chef's vision and the food going out on the table. And he said the chef had changed the recipe, but of course the poor chef wasn't there to look at what had happened to the recipe when it had been changed. So he apologized, but the way Vardhan handled himself with the grace, the humility, the decency, the calm, the patient manner, that told me this boy is a leader of tomorrow. And he was all of 25 years old without any experience. I decided to hire him on the spot in my head. So then I asked the manager for his number. They gave it to me and I talked with him and I wrote about him. I uh, put about the restaurant Rue and the food he made on my Instagram feed. And I asked him if he would be willing to meet with me. And he said yes. And at that point, we uh, met. And the next thing we knew, we thought alike. We reacted to uh, circumstances in the same way. We went to a couple of meals together. And I realized this is the man I want to hire because he was a solid human being with uh, good values, with the right uh, amount, mix of confidence, humility, decency, integrity, uh, honor, and uh, generosity of spirit, that all is essential to be a good chef. And I knew that I have the uh, experience that I can teach him how to cook the food I want to cook with him, but I couldn't make him the human being he should be as a good human, as a, a good human being that the world wants. So when he had everything else as a good human being, I knew I could give him all the skills he needed as a chef. And so I hired him and I'm very grateful I did. He's an incredible uh, chef and I respect him and we grow every day that we work together. And as you see in Hollywood movies, you, do, you don't do the five French sauces test or something like that. Well, what's the point of doing it? You can have made five great sauces and uh, perfected them. But the sixth one will go bad or the uh, when, uh, when the two test of life happens when you are in service and there's a customer who throws that damn sauce because they think it's awful. If you can't go charm the customer and make them happy with the sauce you've cooked, there's no way that you're going to win. So you need a good human being at the end of the day. Uh, a chef and the stars don't matter. A human being can make all the difference. Okay. You started out in New York. Um how is new york of that time different to what what's happening in gurgaon or delhi now i mean from a restaurant culture uh you know the excitement i i, I live in gurgaon and there before covid there was every cuisine uh, restaurant available all over the place right and there were sushis from uh, there were foam led uh, chemical dishes and you know everything you see on tv is available uh what is your view on that india not just gurgaon india is in a, in a very interesting uh place in its culinary history in its um in its own evolution as a nation um in some ways i feel i've i'm now living in new york of 1993 when i arrived in new york new york wasn't the city it is today or before the lockdown um 
New York was depressed. New York was coming of age. New York had rough edges. New York had big dreams, but had no ability to get there. New York was confused. New York hated uh, people who were different. New York was struggling uh, between racial strife and uh, poverty and crime. Everything was in a flux. And I see in India a nation that's in flux. That's uh, um, and I and I wonder often that maybe there's a reason that the uh, planetary uh, charts brought me to India, because after 27 years, maybe the world wanted me to reinvent myself and uh, be a young boy again. So I feel like a young boy in New York at, uh, of 1993 in India of 2020. So there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, we in India, we have we feel like we are this great star. We, oh, we are like the Chinese. We are doing the next big thing. And we really aren't. We are far, far, far from being even as big as the Chinese who are now number two. But we have that machismo. We have that confidence, the swagger, the uh, uh, teenage uh, pride and ego and uh, noise and uh, bluster. But at the end of the day, we really don't know who we are, and which is okay. It's a great way to be because where what do teenagers become? Wonderful adults. So there's so much ahead of India and so much more that we will be reaching and the potential to realize uh, uh, aspirations to uh, reach, uh, realizations to make. So this is a wonderful, exciting time in India's culinary history and its history as a nation. And I'm thrilled to be part of it. You know, very interestingly, when you were talking about India and the people, I could relate it with the cricket teams over the years, right? The, your cricket team in the 90s versus your between and then, I don't know if you follow cricket. It's the, very the personalities of people playing um, is hmm. is gone exactly the same change you are talking about, right? Well, uh, the, the cricket players now are young, bash, they don't shy. Uh, they're super confident, right? And if you look at the your '90s cricketers, they were, you know, Gavaskar and Kapil Dev, yeah, apologetic, life. right? Uh, that uh, maybe they 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 haven't deserved this, and but they're still good. So you know, why why are they here? So I I can see what you're saying. Okay. Uh, I wanted to talk about, I know you have two lovely dogs and uh, I was discussing this with uh, a close friend of mine who has four dogs and he said India lacks restaurants which allows pets and hotels and uh, you know other places where you can take your pet with you as an enjoy, enjoyment place. Uh, what is your view on that? So I think your friend has a very valid point. There's, We should have more places which are pet friendly. Uh, I would never uh, go take my dogs to a restaurant. For one reason, when I go to a restaurant, I want to enjoy the rest. Uh, as a man who's, your, I don't know if your friend has just dogs. I've had a farm for 15 plus years where I had 200 chickens, uh, 48 alpacas, uh, almost 48 goats, uh, 50 ducks, 50 geese. Uh, 40 plus uh, guinea hens and a partridge in a pear tree and five mountain lions and six, seven pigs and uh, uh, hundreds of wild turkeys. So I've lived with animals and I love them. And I was, uh, I'm one of those people who literally 
put money into the earth in fodder, in safety, in providing a safe haven for these uh, domesticated animals, animals that were my own farm animals and wild animals that lived on my property. So I'm an animal person. But when I go out to dine, I don't need to go out to take my animals with me. My animals, in some ways, are more comfortable left at home, where the sights and sounds and the interference of strangers doesn't overwhelm them. And But that said, I think having more dog-friendly restaurants and hotels would be a great thing. In America, uh, we have them, and I love that part of it. There, there's a place in uh, between Delhi and Gurgaon, there's a place, Napadori, and they have a restaurant there that has outdoor seating for dogs, and you can bring your dog, and they have dog menus. I think that's wonderful to have every, uh, if you have a million restaurants, maybe a couple of thousand should have dog-friendly uh, menus and uh, spaces in them. Yeah. Uh, so you, there is a very interesting service available in Mumbai where uh, it's called cuddling therapy or something like that. And they bring cats to your home and then you spend an hour with a lot of cats in your house and you cuddle with them and just spend and enjoy time with them. And it's supposed to be kind of a therapy. And and there's truth to it. Uh, in in uh, in the US, there are so many hospital or nursing homes where the elderly are, where there are patients recovering from different maladies that uh, bring in uh, cats and dogs and alpacas and llamas and animals that have been trained to interact with humans. Okay, so I am an amateur cook. Uh, I can do a decent omelette, but uh, I have few equipments which I really, uh, you know, bank upon in my kitchen. The first one being an air fryer because I love my non-veg. And hence, I start uh, to avoid oil. I start using air fryer, uh, which uh, requires less oil. Uh, do you have some, um, you know, uh, tools which are must do for your kitchen? Um, I love my stand mixer, which is a mixer which you can, uh, you know, make cakes and batters and also grind meat and all kinds of things. I love my uh, uh, food processor. That's something in which you can. Uh, make pulverized things very easily. I love a good blender. I love a stick blender. I and I, there are other. I have almost any kitchen tool made by mankind. The, the chances are, if I don't have one, I may have five of them. And I, I have a, a dream kitchen for just about even twenty chefs to dream together. They, if they want a kitchen, mine will be what the, they want. I have too much, more than twenty chefs could have together. But um, uh, yes, I have. I love. I love a great. A, food, a stand mixer, a good food processor, a great, uh, super uh, heavy-duty uh, blender. I have a Vitamix that I think if anybody has the money and the ability to buy one, Vitamix is the blender that eats 20 other blenders just for breakfast every day. So it can uh, pulverize a blender in a second. So that's a great blender to have. I, uh, stick blenders are great because you can bring them to the uh, stove and make a soup in a second. Um, other than that, I think the most important tool that one we need to have is uh, between our ears, the brain. And if you have the uh, <laughs> desire and the hunger and the thirst to cook, the greatest tools in the world are two hands and uh, the grace matter between our ears. If you have the three in good stead, you can do anything with a little more love and time, but perhaps even better than a machine because you can control the texture and the the uh, temperature much better because there's no heating happening that machinery brings to the uh, fore. 
so uh, uh, i i have i love tools i have all of them and uh, but i think the most important tool we need is a brain that functions and a mind that wants to cook because if you when you go to indian villages with nothing these poor uh, people make beautiful meals that are so much better than some of the poor of the world who have all the equipment in their kitchen but don't have the will to cook so uh, uh, equipment is essential and 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 i think you raise a very important point because if you have good equipment you can actually function as a a professional with another job that keeps you busy be a parent to children who are hungry and you can feed them because you have the ability to do all the things you want to do without too much sweat and pain and angst so that's what is good about equipment but uh, all the equipment does is sleep if your brain doesn't want you to cook so funny thing i remember um, i follow a youtube channel called uh, village cook and uh, they show you how to cook the same stuff but in village style so basically in earthen pots or uh, open flames mm-hmm. and those kind of things and when you see the final product it looks so yummy wow. um, but i i don't have open <laughs> open flame i don't have but I, i i always dream i i'll go to a farmhouse and then i'll build up my own fire and then put a pot and make so you know and you're right <laughs> i i love open flame cooking but you can mirror it here so you know when i make my bengan ka bharta i make it in an open flame on the stove top and uh, then you, the other thing you can do is in your uh, 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 there's uh, there's a french uh, uh, ceramicist called emile onry that makes incredible uh, cookware today that goes from stove fire into the uh, oven into uh, onto table and into refrigerator so it goes into all these different modes while being clay so uh, there are uh, that's where so if i tell people i tell them don't worry about as many uh, uh, electrical gadgets as cookware if you can buy good copper stainless line cookware from france or italy you know in india we used to have it there no no uh, uh, people making it the foundries are gone where good heavy duty cookware was made because only halwais use it and they have uh, different sizes but for good home style cookware emil laundry uh, uh, moviel all clad um uh, le creuset these are people who uh, some of them have come to india i know le creuset has come to india cast lodge cast iron is in india and if you find them buy them because you'll only buy them once in a lifetime so i tell people if you buy good cookware you don't have to buy it every 2 years you can buy it for 3 uh, to 5 or 6 generations of uh, humans because they last they last longer than a couple of lifetimes so uh, uh, invest in good cookware and that's the best gift you can give yourself yeah i'm i i've been eyeing this uh, uh, knife set which is for 20000 bucks uh, some japanese knife set and i'm just not able to think that i'm going to spend uh, so much money on knife set but it looks japanese so knives amazing. are beautiful i have a whole collection uh, collected over many years and you know a, a good japanese knife can range from 4500 dollars to uh, 3 to 10000 dollars for one knife us dollars and uh, wow. it's a beautiful thing but as i said again it's good to have all of these things when you don't need them uh, the other knives do just i'm amazed when i see street vendors of india with a choti si knife like you know 
in in america somebody couldn't cut an apple with the knife that a street vendor chops 100 onions in 20 minutes so uh, again you know it's the will you need to have the desire and all of a sudden everything you have is just right no no and that's that's the exact conversation i had with my wife so we till now we have just bought 80 rupees knife and uh, and now i'm thinking about a 20000 worth knife and she like dude uh, how is it going to make difference in taste that that's a question and she has a valid point i couldn't argue with her <laughs> i would love to know more about uh, how you transitioned from uh, I know I know you went to uh, an art school and then you were studying something different in um, uh, US as well but how did you really get into food So I you know I left home when I was 18 to go to Bombay to study at Sir JJ School of Art they would take two kids that were not Maharashtrian uh, every year I was one of them in 1991 and uh, in 93 I arrived in New York where I studied graphic design and art history at the School of Visual Arts and um while i went to school i also worked full time uh, in retail and uh, between working full time going to school full time i still found time to cook every morning to take food for my uh, classmates or uh, co-workers depending on where i was going in the morning that day and then every evening i would come home between 6:30 and 7:38 but between 8 and 10:30 i would lay a beautiful feast out every night and Uh, strangers and friends alike would show up and i would feed them and then uh, go to bed around 2 or 3 in the morning after cleaning up and this happened every day and i was doing this because i wanted to uh, live a life like i had grown up with in india in our home in, in the new delhi uh, my people would say our home was like the grand central station friends family members uh, neighbors our classmates and their friends would just show up at any given time and my parents and dadi and our pandit ji would make sure that everyone was fed and welcomed with a smile and sent home happy so i was doing this in new york city while working a full time job and going to school full time and that's what uh, uh, while doing it every day uh, i would feed people word spread this young kid cooks the best food in the city somebody invited me to do a birthday party for their husband another invited me to do their child's 21st birthday another to do their engagement dinner another to do their child's bar mitzvah the next thing i knew i was being called the best caterer in town by zagat then i india turned 50 years of age it was 1997 uh, the carnegie hall did a taste test of caterers so i applied to be one of those caterers after my tasting i was the one that was picked and next thing i knew my one of my desserts for that night a uh, mango uh, passion fruit mousse uh, served in a orange shell with eggs made uh, with in a nest of pomegranate with pomegranate eggs became we made we made it to the cover of new york magazine when they called me one of the best caterers in town and uh, next thing i knew a man came to me with money his name was rakesh agarwal who ran a very successful uh, restaurant group in uh, new york called the baluchi group of restaurants he told me i have money i have a space why don't you partner with me and we open the restaurant devi uh, next thing i knew the michelin guide came to america and i was one of the first 18 chefs to and the first indian to get a michelin star the first year the guide came to america so a series of uh, accidents led me to food and uh, i'm happy that they did because i love to eat i love to feed i love to entertain and i love to indulge people so that's the story of my uh, journey from student to cooking 
you make it sound so easy but <laughs> i'm sure it must be very exhausting you know i uh, uh, is anything easy in life it is as easy or as difficult as we make it out to be nakul we can uh, end our day thinking that we are exhausted or we can end it thinking that i'm so lucky that i have people that love me people that think me blessed enough to be joining me at my table people that uh, think i'm worthy enough to have them in my home so i had to thank my stars that i had this good luck of course i slept 2 to 3 hours a night and i was otherwise awake working cooking cleaning or studying and i had no other life but i had the best experiences so it wasn't it's not difficult is it easy nothing in life is easy but it wasn't difficult either so i know you are an apple fan boy um, and you own the uh, the mac desktop when nobody owned it uh, why apple uh, you know android is so good so big you know it's not about hey, the word android wasn't even there when i was looking yeah. using apple pc it was ibm and i love ibm but ibm is difficult to find today um, <laughs> apple good because you pay a lot but you get quality i never need to look for a consultant i never need to bring a technician home my machines are workhorses that last a lifetime i can ha- i have computers i've gifted after 10 years of using them and people i gifted them to 15 years ago still call and thank me because they're still working and you never need another human being entering your life they don't get viruses they don't uh, break down they don't crash they don't infect anybody else it's just it's a very safe platform it's like what i told you the promise of me giving my diners when they come in covid times i'll give, protect them uh, uh, give them a safe space that's what apple gives it charges you uh, arm and a leg but it gives you the safest uh, space to create without any you know when you have to save anything on a pc there are three steps to save it in an apple click done and you don't have to be a genius so you have a macbook you have a iphone i have a i have a macbook i have an iphone i have a iphone macbook i have i watch all these things so 100% apple ecosystem no uh, my work environments are all pc because they're cheaper and i regret it because then we have to bring in people to come fix them and set them up the couple of places where i had all mac work environment we never needed to bring in a consultant or anybody to do anything i could set it up myself with pcs you have to hire somebody that comes puts sets up your computer systems and everything so my brother in law is a, a, a very uh, he's a geeky man he was the head of the java magazine one of the founding publishers of it he's as geeky as they get as incredible a human being as they get and he uses only apple in his personal life he makes his money you uh, selling pcs and uh, working with them and creating databases and all kinds of things for people and i said to myself what are you doing he said dude don't i need to make money i said yes he said so pcs are to make money with i said why he said they're impossible for to for everybody everyday people to understand so they need people like me and they need to employ us to keep it going he said if you have a mac you don't need me so he said he said with a mac you don't need me with a pc you need me he said i keep myself employed by pushing pc but he uses mac in his own life so i would say you know you're partially correct Uh, if you would have said this to me 5 years ago i would have agreed 
but if you are willing to spend the money you spend on your mac or an iphone on a a windows or an android you will get similar quality but what you start comparing is a cheap android cheap pc to a mac which is not a fair comparison no absolutely you're right and i'm told that the new android phones are very good they also have incredible apps that go with them and mm-hmm. and i i must say that i've heard people i trust have them but then they also keep an app, a mac apple uh, iphone for uh, use when they really want to use something else but you know it's ease i think you are you hit the nail on the head 5 years ago it may have been different i'm being told by people i trust that androids are in some uh, parts of uh, using a phone androids may be ahead of mac um, so i have to give it to you i just don't have to use the androids as phones i use them as computers uh, pcs but you are you're right and i have to give it to you that i'm hearing this from others so i uh, i agree i i'm sure you're right and i may be wrong <laughs> no so there's no right and wrong but i would love to maybe send you a fo- android phone and maybe you can try it out and maybe you'll turn in from an apple guy to an android guy bhejo bhejo i'm always happy to get a gift <laughs> okay uh now we you talked about apps right um and i use a lot of apps to explore recipes i told you i'm an amateur cook and i love to cook mm-hmm. for my daughter my wife how 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 do as a as a professional guy how do you look at recipes how do you find new recipes or do you use other chefs recipe as well so very good question nakul and it's a question that confounds people because the answer is not what a, a, a person asking you this question wants to hear um if you love cooking and if you're passionate about it as i am there is i don't cook with a book in fact i have a sign in my kitchen that says i don't cook with a book even though i've penned three cookbooks my indian cook cookbook the first one indian home cooking is the largest sold indian cookbook published in america so uh, that said i don't cook with a book um i don't follow uh, apps and uh, i'm in an app called panna which was bought by national geographic which was bought by the food network in america and i'm told my uh, recipes in panna some of the best selling recipes ever published um i think apps today are doing a great job i see the new york times has an incredible food app that i friends of mine who are uh, cooking handicapped are loving because it just makes everything easy I think technology has a brilliant role to play in the uh, uh, transformation of a person from being a reluctant cook to being an avid cook because it can help you with your uh, fears it can get you organized it can uh, give you recipes with uh, searches that are uh, attuned to what you want to find in them so technology is a brilliant thing and then with youtube channels that some chefs have created there is now no excuse to not be willing to go into the kitchen if you have a desire because there's information out there for everybody and presented in the way you want to see it so technology has made cooking very easy and it makes it very doable and accessible and readily uh, easy so i think technology has played a beautiful role in making food ecumenical and ready for the masses to explore no so how do you do it i i do it from my head so there is you never do recipes from other chefs i do so i'll tell you what happens nakul when i dine out which is which used to be uh, in the us uh, several times a week 
I'm eating at the restaurants of friends, of strangers, but people, we, I know that this is a good restaurant, I'll go. If you are a human being with a brain, if you're a human being with, uh, who's not living in a vacuum, you are trained and taught and educated every day. Every meal you eat, every uh, uh, conversation you're listening to between two people discussing food, your brain is taking in information all the time. So if I have an apple in my uh, 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 kitchen staring at me and I'm thinking, think, do something with me, it could be that the night before I was with friends who said they ate a lovely tatata and my brain triggers tatata. So I go make a tatata. Where did I learn how to make a tatata? I was reading a magazine once and there was a recipe for it. My brain put it deep down in a shelf in my brain and that recipe comes alive and 27 years of experience teaches me how to do it correctly or I'll call a friend and say, have you made a tatatan before? This is what I was going to do. And that friend will say, no, no, Sabir, you may be wrong. The pastry should be a part sucre, not a puff pastry. So, you know, these are the conversations that happen. And I nothing I make comes out of a vacuum. In fact, my book set a standard in publishing as we know it around the world today. Even my first book came out, Indian Home Cooking. There was no other cookbook like that in the world. Because each recipe came with a story as to how I got to that recipe. And it was so-and-so auntie and so-and-so uh, Khan Sama and so-and-so Maharaj and so-and-so street vendor. Because my memories of these foods made me do them, cook them. So uh, I think um, everything I cooked ever has a connection to people, to elders, to chefs, to restaurants, to travels. And I'm lucky that I've traveled endlessly. I've eaten hungrily. I've eaten at the best restaurants in the world. I've eaten at the dirtiest street corners of the world. And I've lived with open eyes and hungry um, uh, mouths. So I've eaten beautifully, very richly. And all of that informs my cooking. And it comes out in different ways at different times. I, I, I know we, we discussed this before the show also, but I wanted to get your views again on this. Uh, you and me talked about, uh, you know, all the cooking reality shows. Um, the Indian one, the Australian one, the US ones, everybody has their own flavor. And But you, you told me they are not real. Is any reality TV real? Do you really think people sling things at each other, that people hide things from one another? Would you want a beast as a friend? It's entertainment. Reality TV is entertainment. And when you look at it as that, gain from it what you want, be inspired by it, be uh, cognizant of the fact that it's called reality, but it has nothing to do with reality. That it's uh, the only thing reality about it is that it's going to change your reality as a human being. You can either be smart enough to know that it's not reality, but it's entertainment. And then be inspired by it and go and change your reality by doing things that you think are correct. Or you can be sitting on a sofa eating popcorn and watching somebody make a $10,000 a person meal. And you're still watching it because your life is never changing just as the reality of that show is unreal. So you can keep eating your popcorn and they'll keep making bullshit on, cam on TV. You're both happy. One person is making money while you eat popcorn. So the reality of both doesn't change. When I was on Top Chef Masters season three in America, when the review of the show came out uh, in the TV examiner, the magazine uh, paper for the TV industry, the headline for the show's review said, Top Chef Masters season three, the star of Sweet Saran is born. And they said in the entire show, they found me the most compelling chef because they said 
he knows he's on a reality tv show he's not cooking for real time that i understood that all of these challenges were just a lot of bs that um, they said he doesn't take it too seriously because he knows this is just a time warp it's entertainment for others it doesn't change his so before we end the show i have just two more questions so my first question is that if i am a young chef in india and i want to showcase my work to you how do i how do i approach you you approach me by uh, going to my website suvi.com and sending me an email you uh, come to my restaurant and say you want to meet the chef you go to a book event or a public event where you know i'm there and show up and talk to me or uh, uh, chances are if you do enough of a search for me my us cell phone is available in many websites and if you call me it still rings in india you can talk to me and i'm always available my email address is chef at suvir.com chef at suvir.com it will come to my phone i'm known to answer emails that come at 2:30 in the morning that those that come at 9 in the morning and the ones in between and uh, if you reach out to me i'm happy to be there for you because i was a lucky man that doors would open for me because people were kind and generous to me and i feel it's my obligation to return the same uh, favor to people uh, who come reaching out to me okay and i'm to all young chef in the country i think this is a great opportunity for you to um talk to suveer meet suveer uh, maybe get him to try your dishes um and you don't know maybe you'll land up in the house of celeste and this is now a more controversial one because no answer will satisfy people but give me your top 3 restaurants of india top 3 restaurants of india i would have to think of my top 3 bhuas mossis and chachis in their homes uh but you're going to kill me if i say that um <laughs> what do i say the i love the um uh, the uh, bengali sweet house for their aloo tikki chaat i love um qualities for chana bhaturas every now and again and even sitaram has amazing chana bhaturas um uh, i love uh, mishti doi from gopala and rasgullas from gopala um but jokes aside i love what ru is doing in uh, 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 the kutubonclave in that area they've done wonderful stuff for indian cuisine it's indian food with the right uh, attitude and uh, uh, flavor profile and presentation it's correct for this time and age uh, indian accent is uh, doing a good job i think at um, um uh, what's the name in gurgaon um uh, comorin comorin is comorin oh i love comorin yeah. i love see, it see comorin is doing a wonderful job olives i love olives is always good i love um there, you know there's there's a italian restaurant in uh, m block market that's not diva it's a uh, uh, greater kailash it's uh, i'm forgetting the name it's a man who's i'm told very meticulous about his foods and it's expensive it's often empty but they don't compromise their their italian food is what you'll find in italy i'm forgetting the name um, my memory is failing me that's divine italian food 
and there's uh, 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 of course sagar i love for uh, everyday uh, simple north indian uh, sambar and idli and dosa it's excellent i love swagat for non sambar and idli south indian food um there are many but i think uh, india is in a very exciting place where we have so much good stuff happening that um, we just have to scratch and there are places opening the jamun was doing a good job in delhi the diva cafe was good um so many there's so many people are doing such a good job difficult to pick just have you, have you tried r2c 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 is what i'm talking about yes r2c that's the one i was talking about it's superb superb i can't say enough good things about r2c you know what i love so food aside i love their service man love they are so warm i i have never felt so warm in a restaurant see there you go and i said that they're very good they're not always too busy but they're always correct i i remember i uh, took my child and she's just 4 years old and it was it was supposed to be a romantic dinner between me and my wife but the way they treated my kid uh, they made special stuff for her which was not in the menu and you don't really expect that from a fine dining and they did a lot of things which i i i have been crazy it's it's my fi- f- favorite dining experience in delhi is r2c i that's when i told you but i didn't wasn't remembering the name they're in m block market and they're in gurgaon they're doing superb food i think r2z is the way we have to go because they don't compromise on their standards on their quality they're giving delicious food in a, a good setting and with great service how can you uh, go wrong it's wonderful r2z is wonderful okay it was awesome talking to you i hope you had a good time and listeners i hope you had a great time listening to suveer i had a bunch of fun and um, thanks a lot suveer for joining us and spending time with us and you know just taking through your journey i loved it i got upgraded no thank you very much nakul for having me as uh, on your podcast and thank you for doing this and i am uh, honored to be included so guys upgrade hua kya you were listening to upgrade with nakul a production of the podium talking Don't forget to like and subscribe.